It's time for the show that brings the magic right to your speakers. Ears up! Push the wrong button. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the show. A little false start there, but that's okay. I'll take the penalty. Football analogy. Yeah, stop making... Don't make... Sports analogies. First of all, none of us know what you mean. Sports ball. Some of us do. do (laughs) No, I don't. I have no idea. Do you take a penalty on an illegal penalty? On a false start? Yeah, Yeah, false start. It's a five yard penalty. I think you get a a flag. Repeat the down. Do you get a cookie? No. It's a bad thing. Then I don't care. (laughs) (laughs) I only care about cookies. That's it. It's all I I care about, Terrence. It's a good life. Uh, this is Ears Up Podcast, and we have a cool show for you. It's um, Halloween-themed, and uh, it is a Terran show, and we're going to be talking about the history of the uh, Haunted Mansion Stretching Portraits, which we've mentioned in passing on a couple of our shows, but we've never really gone in-depth uh, with them. So Taryn has taken to the internet and various media sources to figure out uh, exactly the lore of the Haunted Mansion stretching portraits. So that's going to be a good time for us. Uh, mainly me, because I don't have to do anything. <clears throat> and that's great. Um, you can find us, everybody, on social media. Be a part of our Facebook, uh, our Twitter, our Instagram, and our Pinterest, and all those things. Um, if you have feedback about the show, or life in general, if you just want to talk to somebody, <laughs> Taryn at EarsUp-Podcast.com. Any uh, compliments or, more importantly, show ideas, if you guest ideas, uh, send those to Terrence. Terrence is now the king of booking. Yeah. Booking? See what I did there? No. No. I want to throw things at you. I want <laughs> no, to throw I, things at Beverly. I don't I le- get it. I legitimately it's a pun. did not see that. He's the king of booking. He's the book king. But then that's like get it, king. book king. Yeah. He's the king. Oh, you guys suck. He's the king of book. It was our I, fault. I appreciate <laughs> that one was our fault, right? <laughs> it was, but I appreciate that you got it. Oh uh, boy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, whatever. Um, anyway, uh, yeah. Show ideas, um, guests, uh, any authors you want to hear from, any yeah. uh, t- Disney talent, whatever. Anybody you want to hear their life story on yearsuppodcast.com. Do our job for us, please. Yes, <laughs> please do. It's hard, man. It's hard oh. for because there's so many people out there, but there's a lot of people on the talk circuit that are like, I was the stand-in for, you know, Chip, you know, Sean Douglas. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> and he, Chip Douglas was the third stand-in for the Indian in yeah. Follow Me, Boys. And I. so if you want to talk to me, I'm here. Like, cool. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. Or I was the voice of the bird, one of the bird. My grandfather was the voice of the main bird in Bambi. Yeah. Cool, bro. Cool. I don't know what to ask you. How was it? And you'll go, cool, and I'll go, Awesome. Thanks for coming on the show. Yeah. That's really about that's it. That's about it. So, you know, anyway. So what he's saying is we only want good people. Really if, you want know, good people. if you know John Lasseter, please hook it up. Please do that. Or if you're good friends with Tony Baxter, because... Tony B, I've been We've literally tried. trying to get that dude for two years. I know, and, and he said he would, he would do it. It's just it he happened, said he was interested. He just need yeah, and then so I, I actually followed up with his people the other day, and one of the email addresses bounced back. Like homie doesn't even work there anymore. Well, I wonder why. Right. So, anyways, uh, you can say hi. Hello. To Be- <laughs> to Bev. That's B E V at ears up hyphen podcast and anything else comes to me. 
or we have a contact form on the website, of course. Uh, I'm not even going to talk about the blog because there's nothing there. Actually, <laughs> we are getting a story. We're getting an article. So what we're going to be doing soon is talking to – well, not talking to anybody. We're going to have um, actual – Articles, pieces, opinion pieces written not by us. Not by us. On our website. That's exciting. Yeah, Kyle Sherman, a former Imagineer and frequent guest and a voice of reason. And and just a downright nice guy. Yeah, a little too short for me. I wish he was taller. Shut up. Okay. Um, Anyway, he's going to be writing some opinion pieces on kind of just the direction of the park, what's happening in the park, um, and, you know, how that matches with, you know, the vision of of parks, theme parks in general, and and all that kind of stuff. I think it'll be really cool because it's actually opinion and analysis from someone who knows what the heck they're talking about. Yeah. And it's not just like armchair, you know, quarterbacking from from me and you guys, mainly Terrence. Yes. Um, anyway, if you want to support us, you can do that on the Amazon link on our website, reoccurring donations we have there. You can go to getcoveyors.com. We're about to have some more churro shirts come in next week, I think. We can't do it on TeePublic anymore at all, right? Correct. No more churro shirts on TeePublic, but uh, if you want to go to TeePublic, we have all of our other shirts, our Turkey League shirts and a bunch of stuff that Taryn has done. And uh, Spectra Radio has stuff on there as well. Spectra Radio as Check well. That's true. Uh, John's. That's, that's true. That's true. Um, on the Get Covers, you're about to see female for the ladies. Mm-hmm. Uh, fe- female sized. I don't know what to say. I don't, what do you say? Women's Design. Cut? Design, sure. Churro shirts. Yes. Uh, a lot of women have been emailing. I would like to, you know, I would like a shirt, man. I can't get it anywhere else, and now you're the only place you can't get on T Public. So uh, we bought a bunch <laughs> for you guys. So we hope you want them. Yeah. <laughs> so you'll check that out as well. Um, you know, hit us up on our social media, and we'll let you know when those are up. Uh, Patreon, you go to Patreon.com/slash Ears Up and support us. And I will tell you guys in advance, we are thinking about mainly doing i've already thought about it uh changing the levels of patreon subscribers so right now for example we have um you can buy the you can get access to the secret show which is our drinking um (laughs) non-censored show uh that's for eight dollars a month but i'm going to be dropping that down to five dollars a month I feel that uh, you know the things we say really aren't worth eight bucks. <laughs> <laughs> Not even that. Well, well, it was it was it was originally, of course, like everything else in my life, was supposed to be fifteen minutes long. It's not 15 <laughs> minutes long. It's probably Weird. more. It's actually another show. Sometimes it borders an hour. Yeah, yeah. And it's just drinking and Disney sure news. Does. Yeah, and uh, so anyway, and I feel like uh, you know eight dollars is. I think it's a fair price. I think five dollars yeah. is very low mm-hmm. considering what we're we're you know you're getting another show. But I want more people to have access to it because I yeah. I think it's a cool show. I, I think it's a lot too. of fun. Um, I'm going to change some of the other levels. Some are going to go up. Like right now, for twelve bucks, you get the, a hand-drawn little sketch from uh, from uh, Lulu, mm-hmm. and they're rad. But I think those will go out to fifteen because when I price them, I we actually lose like a dollar sixty-two. I think yeah. I, per. We're I've been not always it. super smart. No, right. because it was it was me that was doing it, and I'm terrible at math. Yeah, no. 
That, so, I mean, that's true. So it's anyway, and so and we're going to get rid of a, a tier and kind of move stuff around. So look for that, and you Patreon people, I will be emailing you guys, of course, well in advance of anything uh, happening. Uh, but if you're not on Patreon, consider going over to Patreon.com/earsup and uh, supporting us. It really, really does help. We've been able to do a lot with this Patreon cash mm-hmm. and uh, just driving the podcast forward and, and moving it along and trying to get some new merch out for you guys and making the sound better. We're going to hope to get a new uh, camera here. We're going to have three camera angles at, at some point soon probably after the hundredth and um you know like that oh, the hundredth. speaking a hundredth terrence um i terrence is freaking out i really oh, am you really are yeah me too you know what? he really just doesn't want to end up back in the uh the press room oh man i don't apologize sorry the games were horrible everyone <laughs> it's oh, only you only man. have to apologize if someone complains and really the press room is only for errors okay like true. if yeah. Excuse me. If the game stinks, that's fine. This is the game stinks. Is. Yeah, but just don't uh, screw up. But if the information like, on the game is wrong, <laughs> yes. If you get something wrong, and you better believe I'm going to have a door to the press room oh. ready and unlocked <laughs> at the hundredth. No, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Man, no pressure though, Holmes. It's cool. It's okay. You got Jeremy on your side. He's pretty good with things. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> You'll do fine. I, I said yeah, pretty I good. That's true. Yeah. He is pretty good. <laughs> um, but if you guys are have been wanting tickets to the show and you, you didn't get them in time, which we gave you a lot of time to figure that out, uh, join our social media because we do have a couple of tickets, maybe five, I don't know yet, uh, to be released. We were able to work with uh, Ralph Brennan, of course, Ralph Brennan Jad's Kitchen in downtown Disney. Um, Ralph Brennan himself. Ralph B- Ralph the man himself. Yes. Um, <laughs> just to kind of solidify the uh, the seating arrangements, and you know, I didn't want to oversell and then email ten people I'm like, well, we can only hold seventy eight, so I can't really. Uh, anyway, so we're gonna have a, a a few, a handful, if you will, of tickets available. So watch our social media. We will definitely announce those when they go on sale. Um, okay, Taryn, you ready for some feedback? Yes, sir. All right, let's do this. Okay, uh, we just have a couple today. Um, this first one, I don't know who it's from. It The name was just GLV. Um, but I had to, uh, I'm going to preface this by saying I hope GLV is okay, but I had to kind of um, monitor this this email. So I, I okay. had to cut it down a little bit. He's He's a little upset. Okay. All right. I like upset. I like passion. <laughs> yes. I like people to... It's passionate. All right. I enjoy Okay. It. This is in response to DJ or PJ or whatever. Okay. Oh, yeah. My friend. My good your, friend. Yeah, um, your good friend. DJ, Remind me PJ. who was that again? Uh, PJ did not like uh, Jason and did not want him on the show. That's right. Well, he didn't like my negativity. You were too Let's negative about yeah. the run, which... About everything, apparently. About everything. But I'm sure he loves me as a person. I'm just too negative. I guess. But right. he did say he didn't want... He wanted to hear a show without you. Yes. That's true. That was Oh, weird. I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah. I did, too. Like, oh, I part, didn't. That's the part that set me off. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's kind of rude. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm listening to your disaster episode. And- I'm, I'm sorry, I'm going to interrupt. It's odd. It's 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 funny, ironic, <laughs> maybe in this context that you guys are all offended by it, and I'm like, it's fine. But yeah. I'm the negative one, just so you remember <laughs> that. Like, okay. he should. I'm I'm mad that he said, oh, I don't care. It's fine. He shouldn't have said that. I think it's fine. Whatever. Well, because a show without you wouldn't happen. We well, already true. established yeah. that. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah, but I just want PJ to, to understand that. That's that he's calling yeah. me negative, and all y'all sitting here, all y'all. <laughs> oh. I make no friend. <laughs> you make no friend? 
Is that is that a thing? To say no, like no. <laughs> but it is now. Is that a thing to say like that? I make no friend. Yeah. I, th- I thought you said front or frond, like front. a palm frond. Oh, I thought you said friend. No, I said front. I, I, I make no friend too. Front. Not front. I don't front. I don't. I don't be fronting. No, stop. No. <laughs> wow. Suburbs. What? What? <laughs> Whoa. Hello there, my G. <laughs> yeah, I don't be fronting. Yeah, I would never do that to you. Hello. My oh. name is Beverly. Oh, man. I do not front. <laughs> I do not stand in front of you. I would never do that. Go ahead, Taryn. Oh, my gosh. I don't know if I can. Holler. <laughs> no, if, if, it, would be, it would be like, ah, uh, and then the person would be like, what did you just do? Hollered. Hollered. I don't understand. <laughs> is is <laughs> that not what you're supposed to be doing out here? I hollered at you. Out here in the cuttings? Ah. <laughs> uh, all right, I will get right to your back later. Ha! Huh? Oh. Like a weird Thundercat. Oh, my God. Oh. oh. I'm actually crying. Go, go ahead, Taryn, please. Oh, okay. Um. <sighs> Sorry. Okay. I'm listening to your disaster episode and got really ticked off about the comments made about Jason from PJ the Passholder. He was a complete hypocrite. If Jason wants to share his negative opinion about something cool, PJ did the same thing with his comment. What's the difference? There isn't one. Personally, I like it when people share their negative experiences, and it's for a couple of reasons. One, misery loves company. And two, hearing about something negative could possibly save you from wasting your time or money. For example, when I go to Amazon to buy an umbrella, I know I already want one. I know what they do. I don't need to know about people saying how much they love it. I need to know about the people telling me what can go wrong if I spend this $20. I'm a pass holder too, and I enjoy Jason's negative attitude even more because I like Disney. Criticism is how learning happens as well as evolution. People should be the most critical of the things they like because that thing is taking their money and time. If PJ doesn't enjoy the show, there are plenty of other podcasts out there. Why should you all alter your show for one turd? Ridiculous. (laughs) Boom. Drop the T word. (laughs) I hope my comment has uh, stoked your fire as much as mine has. I can't stand any form of suppression. And at this point, he kind of dives into some political stuff that I'm not going to go into. Um, But he continues, I was slightly disheartened that Jason had to exclaim uh, that he was how he was. No, you owe nothing to PJ or anyone else. You ran at Disney. You experienced it. You paid for it. Give us your opinion if you want. Yeah, and just to be clear, I didn't. I didn't. I wasn't excusing anything. I was just saying that I, you know, I am Popeye. I am what I am, and that's mm-hmm. all that I am. Like it's just that's it's not going to change. Um, I was just informing the the PJ that it's you know thanks but no thanks. Yeah, I, I like the fact that we have a listener telling another listener you can't listen anymore. Basically, <laughs> you can't sit here. You can't sit with us. Yeah, yes, yeah. that's amazing. It looks like we're are really becoming our own little community. Yeah. I kind of like that. Yeah, like that. it's cool. It is, and I'm sure PJ didn't mean it with as much you know. <laughs> Probably didn't expect. See, PJ, this. I'm being positive and defending you. Why do I feel like that was actually your alter ego? Like you're because because you go by JP as well, and PJ happens to write in. It's 
Good radio, that's right? Really, that's a really good point. I was radio, really depressed right? the yeah. other day, so <laughs> I decided to write in. and So instead of writing in your journal, you wrote yourself a feedback? <laughs> yeah. He's having a really bad day. Yeah. Oh, what is wow. wrong with you? You're ruining my life. <laughs> um, our next, or our last feedback today is yes. from Matt, and this is actually in reference to The Secret Show, so some of you may not understand it, but Ooh. don't care. All right. Um, will you guys make the Neverland tea for the Cove Bar from the Cove Bar hidden menu. I've never had it, and I want to know if it's good. It seems like something I might like. Yes. Great. Okay, I'll I make think, it. I figured that would be the answer. Yeah, next recording, I'll make it. Okay. And so uh, for all of you listening to Ears Up, you make it by... No, I'm just kidding. You got <laughs> to subscribe. Sorry. Sorry, bud. That's true. That's what you get with The Secret Show. You get uh, unedited, uncensored us. We, we use, we've been known to use a curse word, H-words. Heckin', we say heckin' a lot. Poop. We say poopy, we even say poopy B, even. I don't know. I don't know, <laughs> I don't know man. I'm just trying to follow you. Yeah, don't worry about it. I got Rick and Morty in my head. Oh, jeez. Mr. Poopy. Um, <clears throat> anyway, uh, thank you, Taryn. Thank You're you very welcome. much. Appreciate that. Uh, now, what we're going to do is bring on a very special guest. <gasps> my favorite. Um, what just happened? Don't blame Jeremy because he no, said it's not his that. fault. Well, you weren't supposed to say who. Was I know. Oh, Jeremy? sorry. <laughs> Remember that time when I said it's a very special guest? I, I, I blew it. That's all right. Oops. Okay, I think we have him. Okay, there we go. Jeremy, Yay. my friend. Hello. Hello. So much for the test call. <laughs> <laughs> that was my fault, Wait, I guess. Why do I still I hear know. it? Hear what? Is it ringing? I hear it ringing. What? Oh, I don't know. Hold on. I don't hear it I don't know ringing. what's happening. <laughs> it's a freak I out. I don't know what's going on. We hear you speaking. Okay, that's good. <laughs> uh, let's play your intro while you figure that while you figure Perfect. that out. God bless it. You know what? I always forget every time I need to get a different computer to do this, and it's uh, very frustrating to me. <laughs> no. Do you Have you solved your audio problem there, Holmes? I have. Yay. Oh, all right, good job. See, it's not just us that has audio problems. It's the world. Yeah. Join us as we <laughs> Jeremy is my magic world. behind some of Disney's most beloved pieces of music. It's Spectro Time. This magic night, a million stars will play beside us, cast a spell of Glimmering, shimmering, Jeremy. <laughs> Every time I hear that song, I picture Jeremy singing one of the parts of that song. <laughs> Welcome to the Splendor. How you doing, Jeremy? I'm good. I have to say, I really miss you guys. Aww. It's you know what's hard is like when we finally met in person, and then I go a month and I, I'm like I haven't seen them. I haven't talked to them. This sucks. Yeah. I know. I, I can honestly say I miss you too. And remember, we talked about you moving um, to California. I I think you still should. <laughs> I agree, Jeremy. I think I think that you should move to California as well because uh, then we could drink box wine with each other. <laughs> oh, I have some oh, good news. You. I have some good news for you, by the way, Jeremy. What's that? Merriam-Webster is adding the word John to the dictionary. Are you serious? <laughs> Swear to God. Oh, jeez. All thanks to, thanks to us. We did it, guys. <laughs> we did it. We did it. Congratulations, <laughs> y'all. Oh, boy. 
Do you think that either Miriam or Webster has been listening to the show? Yes. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that's exactly what it is. <laughs> I imagine some like old crotchety like like 110 year old man just sitting with like iPod earbuds in. Yeah. Just covered in his own dust because he just he doesn't move, but he listens to podcasts to find new words. Yeah, his fr- his name is Frank Miriam. <laughs> <laughs> Miriam, uh, what's happening, man? What are we going to talk about you today with the things? Tonight we are going to talk about uh, we're going to talk about something from a Disney movie, Ooh. the music of Sister Act. Yes. What? <laughs> no, we're not. Are we? I'm only kidding. I'm only kidding. Oh. I said that because I posted something on Facebook about Sister Act this week, and for the like, in, like Jason went and like put the angry face. Bro. Oh, that's what he does to everything I post on Facebook. Oh, like- everything that's like nice or sweet about my daughter, he just makes an angry face. Angry yeah. reacts only, dude. I think that's the only way to be online. Man, I was so excited. <laughs> Maybe another time. Oh, happy day. I was looking forward to it, man. Oh, Come well, on. That's, that's Sister Act 2 that's back in the habit. Up. I was talking oh, about Oh, wait, I thought one. you were talking about the entire series. Okay, then I will, I will follow him. Follow him. There we yeah. go. Is that better? It's going to be a two-part no, series. it's not better. It's worse. Uh, no, but in, uh, you know, Whoopi Goldberg aside, what are we talking about? We're going to talk about the Walt Disney's Enchanted Tiki Room. Ooh. Nice. I like the Tiki Room. I love the Tiki Room. So. Sorry. (laughs) I was trying to get ready and I hit the wrong button. (laughs) Fail. My bad. (laughs) This is like the dress rehearsal. Um, We're going to start the show over again. It'll be great. (laughs) In the early 1960s, there were three restaurants slated to be opened at the entrance area to Adventureland. One was going to be called the Kitchens of Europe and America. A second one was going to be called the Tahitian Terrace, which did eventually open and which since 1993 has been known as Aladdin's Oasis, which we lurked through a little bit last month. It's really cool. If you guys go to the park and get the chance to walk by it, um, and they do some stuff in there now. I don't really know what, to be honest with you, but try to just go in there. There's a restroom back there, and it's really, really cool. (laughs) Thematically, it's really amazing. I've never been there. I've walked past it a million times. It's dope, It's wasted, though. Like The park was closing, and we were in there for a good, what, five minutes or so, and not a cast member in sight. Like It's completely a waste of space right now. Oh, well. Yeah. Go on. It's an oasis of space. <laughs> and finally, a third restaurant called the Enchanted Tiki and Bird Room, which would feature Disney's Legends of the Enchanted Tiki Show. Originally, the show was intended to act as the restaurant's dessert course, with the audio animatronics patiently sitting silent while guests ate their first courses until they would suddenly come to life during the dessert portion of the meal. The first concept was for the birds to sing popular island-style tunes rather than an original Disney score. Disney composer George Bruns was assigned the task of producing a show based on popular island music. He assembled a 24-piece orchestra and 15 vocalists to perform 12 musical segments, starting with an arrangement of Jacques Offenbach's Barcarolle from the opera The Tales of Hoffman, number one.
couldn't sit through this. No. It's a totally different. That's just weird. Yeah, I couldn't do it, Jeremy. Well, that song actually did make it into the original um, version. It doesn't sound like that, but it was a, it was something like that. I can tell now you don't like classical music at all, really. No, I love classical music, actually. Um, that was more like opera. No, that me. was opera. Yeah. Oh. Um, well, then Jeremy, that's why. Jeremy's exactly like me. It, it's not like opera. It's opera. Well, gotcha. I don't know. I heard, I he heard was Jason rant about, about the uh, Epcot France music last week. Oh, yeah. Halfway through that, I was like, oh, I kind of feel bad now. But uh, I like yeah. it. <laughs> just so you know. Well, you said it was just not good for mopping the kitchen floor. So that's okay. I would agree with that. <laughs> All right. Good. So that was meant to open the show. And this would be followed by a 1932 song that still survives in the show today, which is Robert Hargreaves, Stanley Damarell's, Tulchard Evans, and Henry Tilsley's Let's All Sing Like the Birdies Sing, number two. There you go. Some folks sing opera, some folks sing flat. Some sing like sawing wood, I'm one like that. But when the dicky birds sing in the trees, I feel we ought to try and sing like these. Let's all sing like the birdies sing. Tweet, 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 tweet. Let's all sing like the birdies sing. Sweet, 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 sweet. Let's all warble like nightingales. Give your throats a treat. Take your time from the birds. Now you all know the words. Tweet, 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 tweet. Jeremy, they should bring singing back like that. I agree. Where he's just like forcing it out, but kind of, I don't know, being like a It's weird... like from the back of his throat. Yeah. <clears throat> Which I guess you have to project back then because you're, you know. I love hearing that old that old music like that. It's it's interesting that that was like that's what people turned the radio on and heard in the 1930s. Yeah, and they were cool with it. They're like, oh, this is great. <laughs> this is good. Yeah, but they don't. They you know they didn't know better. They didn't know that if you just pared every song down to just three chords, <laughs> far superior. That's right. <laughs> I don't know. The show finished with a version of the Hawaiian War Chant, a 1936 tune based on an 1860 melody by Hawaii's Prince Leleo Ahaku that was made popular in the 1940s by the comedic musical group Spike Jones and his City Slickers. Number three. Ah, in the distance we hear Spike Jones and his wacky wackakians. <laughs> Okay, I have a couple of comments on that. First of all, I thought you might. How do you even make those sounds? I don't man? know. Like this has got. When was this uh, number recorded, um, Jeremy? It was in the 1940s. Okay, so 
no video games, probably didn't have a car, even though they were around. They were probably really expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, you went, paid a nickel for the movie theater or whatever. What else are you going to do? Make so I guess you sounds. just make weird sounds yeah. with your yeah. face. Yes. And that's about But uh, do you know if they're actually saying any any like Polynesian or Hawaiian Islander words or they're just making it up, right? Do you know that? That's a good question. Thank I you. don't know. It is based off of a war chant by the Prince of Hawaii from the 1860s. So I and I I mean I guess I would have to look a little bit more into that to find that out. It does sound like some of I think this guy Spike Jones was kind of being playful with it, but um, there are parts of that that you hear that when you listen to the actual soundtrack from the Tiki Room sound really, really similar. So my guess would be that they are actual Hawaiian words, but I can't say that yeah, for sure. Because I, I feel like if they if they weren't, if he was just, you know, I don't want to say mocking because it is a very negative connotation, but if he was just, like you said, having fun with it and making them up as kind of, you know, genuine frontier gibberish, um, I don't think Disney would put the gibberish in because they want to be culturally sensitive. But I don't know. Yeah, and I mean, it's clear that he was doing a bit more with it than just making up gibberish. It was yeah. going a little beyond but that. I, but, and yeah. It took me a little bit to, to recognize... That from the from the tiki room, mm-hmm. but yeah, that's mm. cool, man. I like that. Yeah, and I had no idea. Like when I was doing the research for this, I had no idea that any of that wasn't actually just an original score. Like yeah. m- majority of this was taken from just popular island music at the time. Because in the middle, in the like in the early to the mid part of the of the twentieth century, we there was a big. Um, American culture was kind of obsessed with Polynesian culture. Like yeah. we, we had just taken, like gotten Hawaii and there was a big influx of that and it went all the way up until the seventies. And this was part of that. It's um, coming back by the way, like the Tiki bar, like down the beachcomber and Trader Vic's yeah. and all that kind of stuff. It's coming back, man. There's Tiki, there's new Tiki bars opening all over the place up here. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. We've got one here in the city too. That's uh, called the mother of Pearl. Actually, it's great. The city? Yeah, the city is San Francisco. Sorry, bro. bro. No, <laughs> real city, New York. No, no. never heard that's of it. That's the big city. Never heard of it. Sorry. Never trust a city that's also named a state. Like, does you can't do it. Uh, sorry. Anyway, go ahead, Jim. Oh boy. So. As they were develop- developing it, a mock-up of the restaurant had been constructed on stage three at the Disney Studio, and they began run-throughs of the show. And the problem that Walt and his Imagineer encountered was that while the show was technically executed well, there was no story. It was just a bunch of nice Polynesian songs being sung by animatronic birds, flowers, and tiki's. They continued to fine-tune the show while Imagineers Marty Sklar, Wally Bogue, and Fulton Burley were also brought onto the project to try and affix a storyline framework to the show. During this time, Walt presented the Tiki Room idea to executives from Coca-Cola in the hopes that they could use it at their pavilion at the upcoming 1964 World's Fair to be held in New York City. Wow. That's where my salsa's made. (laughs) New York City! New York City! (laughs) Get the rope. Though Walt's Tiki Room never made it to the World's Fair, it was changed by this idea. At the World's Fair, with its massive expected crowds, the attraction wouldn't have worked as a small restaurant, and the concept for it there needed to be a big seated attraction where the performers were the center of the show and not just the dessert. Back at Imagineering, the restaurant idea was scrapped, and a new seating plan was 
replaced the restaurant tables, turning it into a full standalone attraction and increasing its capacity by an additional 100 guests. Oh, wow. Wow. But still without a consistent story, Walt's talented songwriting brothers, Richard and Robert Sherman, tackled the project, oh, yeah. writing an original track that would weave the entire show together into one consistent storyline. Take a listen to their original song that did the trick, the Tiki 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 Room, number four. In the tiki 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 room, in the tiki 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 room, all the birds sing, birds and the flowers croon. In the tiki 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 room, welcome to our tropical hideaway. You lucky people, you. If we weren't in the show starting right away, we'd think the audience too. All together in the tiki 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 room, in the tiki 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 room, all the birds. As a little guy, I always thought they were saying the stinky room. <laughs> and my dad would be like, do you want to go into the tiki room? I'm like, no, I don't want to go in the stinky room. That's gross. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. That's adorable. I made it up. Total lie. <laughs> just made that story up. <laughs> actually just thought that. The show now received four host birds to MC the show. Jose, the show's lead, was voiced by Wally Bogue. Michael was voiced by Fulton Burley. Thurl Ravenscroft, who we would eventually know for his work on The Haunted Mansion that would open four years later, performed the role of Fritz. And Ernie Newton provided the voice of Pierre. The female voices in the show are singers Sue Allen, Sue Lewis, Sally Sweetland, Betty Wand, who famously provided the vocals to Baby Mine from Disney's Dumbo, and George Bruin's own wife, Jean Gale. The show opened in Disneyland on June 23rd, 1963, with crowds gathered in the lushly landscaped Tiki Garden to view the Tiki Garden pre-show, which was presented by gods and goddesses of Polynesian folklore. Mm. So that included Pele, the Hawaiian fire goddess, Negendi from Fiji is the creator of all the gods, Maui, the Polynesian trickster who gave people time. Rongo, the Polynesian god of agriculture, Koro, the midnight dancer, Tangaroa Ru, also known as Mapui Kaofanga, uh, the goddess of the east winds, which bring the rain. You're pretty good at those, by the way. (laughs) You're pretty good. I minored in Polynesian language. (laughs) (laughs) Very good. Hina Kalua, the mistress of rain, and Tangaroa, the father of all the gods and goddesses. He took the form of a tree. And if you listen closely, you'll notice he is also voiced by the famous Thurl Ravenscroft. Imagineer Marty Sklar wrote the script for the gods and goddesses. Take a listen. Number five. My name is Maui. Natives call me the mighty one. I tamed the playful sun and gave my people time. Now they set their clocks by mine, for I am Tropic Standard Time. I am Tangaroa, father of all gods and goddesses. Here in this land of enchantment, I appear before you as a mighty tree. Stand back! They 
should probably stand back and uh, before you get in line for the Dole Whips. Because <laughs> <laughs> they're bad. Anyway, that's cool. I like uh, Marty Sklar wrote those. I, I like that. I like he that. did. The original soundtrack to the Enchanted Tiki Room uh, had a running time of approximately 17 minutes. But in the mid-1990s, the Tiki Room received technical enhancements to the speaker system, and the 17-minute show was trimmed to nearly four minutes. Part of those cuts saw the removal of the bark roll number, which had survived since the attraction was still in its initial restaurant phase. And that was the track that I played, um, the first track I, you played for us. The whistling of the bark roll section had been performed by Whistler star, whistling star Maurice Muzzy Marcelino, a band singer and orchestra leader. He was a comp... <laughs> Triple what was his name? You've heard of Eminem. This is Triple M. <laughs> triple M. Yeah. Eminem. 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 A gentleman named A. Purvis Pullen, or Dr. Horatio Q. Birdbath, as he was famously known. Can't handle I'm it. I'm sorry. Dr. what? What's his real name? Go over that, because... Uh, Pervy McCormington? <laughs> <laughs> These are people oh. proficient in bird, like, bird whistles. Right. Man, the 40s were boring. Sorry, go ahead, Jeremy. <laughs> Okay, so Dr. Horatio Q. Birdbath, uh, who was an actual ornithologist and master of approximately 900 avian sounds, also lent his... Yes? No, I'm just saying the 40s were boring. (laughs) Well, you need a lot of time, spare time to master 900 avian sounds. First of all, how do you even find them? Like, this, okay, this was in what, the 60s, 70s, when the Tiki Room opened, 60s? Yeah, they made it in the early 60s. Okay. So this guy had to have been at least 40 or 50, right? Horatio Q. Birdbath. I mean, just let's guess. Let's (laughs) say 50. I'm sorry. I have to. Is is Birdbath a title or is that his name? (laughs) That was his like. (laughs) It might be a a stage name, right? (laughs) In his spare time, he's a Birdbath. His actual name was A. Purvis Pullen. (laughs) Not any better. But you you know what I mean? So so you're born in, let's pretend, 1900s, right? 1910. I don't know, whatever. What do you do? How do you figure that out? How do you find 900 bird sounds? Because, you know, you have to be, you have to be, you know, kind of wealthy to own a record player. Right to, get rec- I mean, to travel. I don't know. Now I want. I want a whole background on my desk by Monday, Jeremy, <laughs> on a Purvis Birdbathington. I'm pretty. I am sh- going to do a follow up, and I'm going to tell you all about Birdbath. I really. I'm, I'm kind of serious. I really want to know. It just. It blows my mind because we're so separate from yeah. from from the early mid 1900s. We're so different. It, it blows my mind how people. Just didn't go crazy. Well, we live in a time like after Al Gore invented the internet, so we have like all this stuff. <laughs> well, the pipes, yeah, the pipes, the, inter- the, the interwebs, yeah, the tubes. Yes, I'm sorry, Jeremy. I always do this to you. Go ahead, please. A, a Purvis birdbath. <laughs> well, you know the thing too is like they didn't have as many distractions as us, so I think time didn't. No. I don't think there was enough time to be driven as crazy because it didn't. 
you didn't have constant distractions of your phone and Twitter and Instagram and like that's true. So I, you were like, oh, let me master these bird sounds. I think we and I think we've talked about it or maybe mentioned it on a couple of shows before where it's like that is why people are maybe good at one thing now. Where it, you know when we're talking like about Thoral Ravenscroft or Exitensio, right? Right, right? Where he just he was really good at this thing, and then Walt goes, "Hey, why don't you try writing a song?" And so he did. And he nailed it, yeah. Right, because right. he had some musical. Ba- so I think those older that older generation mm-hmm. had, like you said, they didn't have as many distractions, so they could master bird calls, be musicians, build a log cabin, or whatever. Right, like do right. all the things that right. that we kind of maybe were maybe we're good at one thing now. Right. Yeah, although I do think that Horatio Q. Birdbath was pretty much a bird sound specialist. That's all he did. I don't know that he also has another name like, I don't know. Like what? Something else. Yeah. Tuba tuba, tuba player or something like that. Moose P. Moosington. Yeah. He's a master at moose calls. (laughs) Well, let's take a listen to these whistling talents as they perform the Barcarol section from the original Tiki Room soundtrack number six. Yeah, it is Offenbach. You stay off of my bark and I'll stay off of your bark. Shh, let's be quiet and listen. That's pretty impressive. Yeah, no, that was pretty great. <laughs> what were you asking, Terrence, in the during that song, Bev? I was like, are those whistles harmonizing? Yeah, they were. <laughs> they that's, were. That's it crazy. was really good. Like, yeah. I was expecting it just to sound like some dude whistling, but it sounded really, really good. I couldn't do it. No. And imagine doing that 900 different ways. No, I actually can't whistle. <laughs> really? Are you serious? Yeah. At all? At all. Huh. I really oh, want man. you to try. You sort You're of breathing in, aren't you? No, I'm breathing out. That's, oh, okay. It's not a oh, harmonica. Wow. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, it doesn't work. Uh, go ahead, Jeremy. Thank you for that, by the way. Well, this is where it starts to get ugly. <laughs> so, oh, <okay>. oh. <laughs> oh, just here? <laughs> it's hard to. This is a little tough for me to get through these last few bits. In 1998, the Walt Disney World version of the Enchanted Tiki Room was updated and changed <sighs> to the Enchanted <laughs> Tiki Room under new management. And featured Iago from Aladdin and Zazu from The Lion King, interrupting the show and taking over from the original players. (sighs) Just play it, number seven. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to a tropical hideaway. You lucky people, you. If we were up in the show, starting right away. Before warned, Iago, you cannot toy with the enchanted tiki room. What are you squawking 
about? Pardonnez-moi, Monsieur Iago, but I am afraid that your friend is right. There is no one in the world worse than Gilbert Gottfried. Yeah, no one wants to ever hear his voice. Ever. And also, it's funny that they're talking about how they shouldn't interrupt the thing while they're interrupting the thing. Like, I feel like Disney should have known better. (laughs) How long did this last, Jeremy? (sighs) Or am I jumping ahead? This it's ga- this is just ghastly. I mean, and like they have nothing to do. like. No one knows what to do with Gilbert Gottfried. He just has to keep playing birds. There's <laughs> <laughs> just nothing to do with this guy. He's I actually like pretty funny, but I think I mean, he's I think he's funny. Um, he's the most annoying comedian ever. He's annoying for sure. I mean, I wouldn't <laughs> sit through a stand up, but I think he's funny. Like I've, I've heard him interview on Stern. I think he's great. But and he's funny. He's a clever, dude. But um, I couldn't okay. sit there. I'm going to divert just for a quick second. I hope this is okay. We don't do that here. If you want to hear something really funny, there is a video of Gilbert Gottfried reading th- um, the book um, Fifty Shades of Grey. Yes. Yes. Oh, oh my god! The most you don't let your kids listen, but it's the most amazing thing I've ever okay, heard. Okay, you guys, horrible. all three of you in this room, remind me for the secret show. <laughs> okay, we're gonna play clips <laughs> if it's on YouTube because I'm not gonna buy it. I'm emailing you right now. Okay, of yeah. uh, <laughs> Gilbert Gottfried reading that book. Okay, go ahead, uh, please. Okay. Uh, I don't want to hear a normal person read that book. I certainly don't want to hear Yaga. <laughs> so read that book. I'm sorry. It's not like Bill Cosby. See <laughs> <laughs> what you also did. <laughs> you want to go riding in my aeroplane? That could have gone really bad really quickly. Go ahead, Jeremy, please continue. In 2011, a fire broke out in the attraction and damaged some of the animatronics. I promise I was not responsible for this. (laughs) And it was announced to great overwhelming enthusiasm at the Destination D Walt Disney World 40th anniversary conference, which I was present at, that the attraction would reopen and be returned to its original format. So how how long was this uh, under new management, John, running for? So from 1998 to 20, uh, I think 2011. <gasps> wow. Too long. Oh, that's ridiculous. Yeah. So when I started going to Disney as an adult, um, I, this is all I knew. I hadn't been to Disneyland yet. and, so I, and I, But I knew then. I was like, this sucks. This is not how this should be. <laughs> Were there people, and maybe you don't know this, and so I apologize for putting you on the spot, but were there people who, who liked it? Were there people lamented the, 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 the thing? Were there, was there a, a big call to arms to have Disney World remove Yago and all that kind of stuff? I don't know if there was a big call to arms, but the, when they announced that the original was coming back, yeah. It was an amazing, it was an incredible reaction by the crowd at this okay. Destination D thing. Okay. Uh, people went nuts. Okay. Yeah. That's good. It was, re- people really pleased that it came back. And so when, while it was still that old version, like I had gone to Disneyland for the first time and I was like, yes, this is what this should be. I knew, you just, you just knew that this was not what it should be. <laughs> it wasn't. And also I, not for nothing, like I grew up during, and I was a, a young teen when Aladdin came out. So, like, those were my movies, and I still didn't want them in, you know, ruining some great <laughs> classic attraction. Yeah. So, Ugh. anyway, it gets worse. <laughs> I'm not done. Okay. <laughs> a version of the Enchanted Tiki Room opened with the rest of Tokyo Disneyland in April of 1983, originally playing a version of the original, but in Japanese. 
1999. The original version was replaced with a new version called The Enchanted Tiki Room, now playing Get the Fever. This new <laughs> version of the Tiki Room created a Vegas nightclub setting oh, with God. four new... Yeah. What? <laughs> mm-hmm. It's go, coming. Yeah, go ahead. Keep going. With four new Vegas-style hosts. <laughs> Dano, Scats, no. Buddy, and Lava, the first female host of the Tiki Room. Number eight. I thought it was going to be like Wayne Newton or something. Yeah, I There's nothing tropical about Vegas, also. Well, Elvis. Tropicana. Yeah. <laughs> Jeremy, what is wrong with your people out there, homie? <laughs> like, what is up with that? Oh. Honestly, how dare they? <laughs> Seriously. I mean, in all seriousness, like, how dare you take something that Walt came up with and you think you're better? And you're going to do this. It makes me actually makes me really mad. <laughs> so, OK, so let me get this straight. So they did the under new management and then they announced it was going to come back normal and everyone mm. went nuts. They loved it. Then People they decided, you know, what would be better than normal is let's change it. So sorry. And maybe it was a little confusing the way I presented this. This is this happened actually in Tokyo. Right. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Right. I, I was and this cat. happened one year after under new management. In so Tokyo. Okay, got it. They almost happened at the same time okay. that the originals went. So you only had the original playing in Disneyland and Disney World in Tokyo decided to pull this crap. Okay. Uh, yeah, I apologize about that. I didn't I didn't connect that. Okay. But, but I think uh, I don't know, maybe it makes a little sense then because I don't know. Japan likes like a American Western culture. culture. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and you, it's hard to get more Western than Vegas. I and just lounge act. It's true. You know? I just see people watching it. It's like, yeah, come on. Clap your hands and sway. And just like blank stares. Like, what is this? If women in pantsuits chain smoking next to you to get <laughs> yeah, the. <I> know. <laughs> Jeez, man. So weird. Well. It's not over. Yeah. <laughs> it's my favorite oh, man. segment ever. The Get the Fever version of the show in Tokyo closed in 2008 and has been running as the Enchanted Tiki Room Stitch presents Aloha e Como Mai oh. ever since. This version of the Tiki Room is themed, themed around the movie Lilo and Stitch and opens with the track Hawaiian Roller Coaster Ride and progresses with Stitch causing his usual mayhem in the Tiki Room. Number nine. Kyle. 
uh, that was weird. This iteration of the show that still runs to this day in Tokyo has the dubious distinction of being the only version of the Tiki Room that does not include the original Sherman Brothers Tiki Room song. Huh. And then oh, wow. thus making it a stain on humanity in my book. <laughs> um, and uh, so I, unfortunately, I hate to end on a sad note, but that's the history <laughs> and the background behind the music of the Tiki Room. It Thank you very great. much, Jeremy. <laughs> Good job. You did great, friend. Way to bring us all bad news. I kind of want to give you a hug. (laughs) (laughs) It's okay. He has a box of wine. That's true. Yeah. Oh, no. He said he was drinking out of a bottle tonight. What? uh, Yeah, he upgraded tonight. tonight. a special night? Somebody got a raise. Tonight's a special (laughs) night. A miracle of wine wine. packaging. (laughs) I have no problem with those boxes of wine, though. No. Thank you. The Boda, Boda Box, Boda Box, whatever it's called. Boda it's Box jam. is the way to go. I bought a box of Boda Box. I bought a box of Boda Box. I have yeah. one in my closet right now. Uh, Why is it in your closet? <laughs> I don't know. Pantry. I keep mine in the fridge. But. Still fermenting. <laughs> I'm, in, I'm in a pantry, but it looks like a closet. Okay. Uh, all right. well, I have a feeling your pantry is like just your bedroom closet. Words are hard. Words are tough. <laughs> Jeremy, we are going to see you for the 100th episode, my friend. Again. It's just in a short, what, 29 days? Something like that, man. <laughs> Get so ready, Terrence. Bro, I am we'll so talk. nervous. I'm so nervous. You about guys will Terrence. be fine. I, I promise. It's going right. to be great. Yeah. All it's right. going to be great. All right, Jeremy. Thanks, my friend. Thank you. Have a great night, and I'll see you in a month. All right. Bye, Jeremy. Bye, guys. The great Jeremy, everybody. He's the best. He is the best. Around. Uh, all right, t- uh, Taryn. I almost yes. called you Terrence for some reason. I was reason. like, what am I doing? Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's go through the history of the stretching of portraits in the Haunted Mansion. You got it. Thank you. Okay, so I wanted to dive a little bit deeper into the stretching portraits, uh, considering that it's Halloween month, and I love everything that is spooky and Halloween-y. Um, so <laughs> the stretching portraits were uh, originally designed by Mark Davis, uh, his concept drawings portrayed each of the characters in a kind of scary, but also somewhat comical way, much like the rest of the Haunted Mansion. Um, it's not all the way scary, but it's also not really completely funny. So it's somewhere in the middle, and and that's what works for the rest of the mansion. So uh, he figured this would work here. Uh, Ed Cohn is the artist who actually painted the canvases uh, from Davis's concept drawings. He was kind of the original painter of them. And um, it's unclear whether it was at his own artistic prowess or that of some Disney executive team, but he didn't really follow Davis's color scheme or designs fully. So the end product was kind of a weird combination of the two artists. Um, The colors were changed um from from Davis's original sketches which made a huge difference um Davis's color scheme had the characters with kind of this yellow or pale skin um sometimes it had like a gray or a greenish tint to it and it, it and they had these sort of unworldly backgrounds um to them so like um the tightrope walking girl she had um like a pink sky in the in the background instead of blue sky, so it kind of gave a little bit more of an eerie feeling to it, okay. um, like a twilight. Yeah, yeah, and mm. basically that all went away. <laughs> okay. um, all right. Um, in Davis's, he also had each character as um, almost more of a caricature 
uh, than a real person. Okay. Um, and they weren't really cartoon-like, uh, but they just weren't realistic people, right? Um, and these qualities distinctly gave the portraits that kind of sinister but sort of goofy style. Uh, so Cone, Cone's interpretation of Davis's concept ended up with a more realistic look and realistic skin tones and realistic background coloring. So it was okay. it really had a lot to do with the coloring, but he did sort of reshape some of the faces so they looked a little bit more realistic as well. Um, and this, according to Alice Davis, uh, Mark's wife, did not go unnoticed in the Davis household, and she has openly scoffed at these changes oh. in several different interviews. Wow. Not happy. No. But happened. Throwing shade. Throwing a little shade. I like that. St- yeah. Stands by her man. I don't know. Yeah, because I guess one of one interview, uh, somebody was like, "Oh, or she was she was actually complaining that many of his ideas were not in the haunted mansion anymore," right. and and the interviewer was like, "Well, at least his his stretching portraits were there," and she's like, "Those aren't his." Oh, wow. <laughs> Something to that effect, and so I was like, "Oh, I like her." <laughs> I know, I do too. <laughs> so. Um, to be quite honest, there are very few details about the artists who actually painted and ended up redesigning the portraits over the years. Um, there were several; di- there have been several different versions, um, and many different artists have. Some of them have just remained anonymous. But um, here's a little bit about what we do know. So Ed Cohn painted his interpretation of Mark Davis's original sketches. Uh, it's believed that these Davis-style portraits were only in the mansion for the first couple of years uh, that the ride was open. After that, Disney decided to allow artists to reimagine these original sketches. So around the early 70s, uh, just in time for the Walt Disney World mansion to open, Elmer Plummer repainted them again, making them appear more realistic. Uh he emphasized their expressions, interpreting the motives of each character. So, for instance, the tightrope walker um, has kind of a glazed, far-off look in her eyes. Uh, she's distracted. She's thinking of something else. Like, it, the look in her eye makes it seem like she may not even realize there's an alligator underneath her. Um, she yeah, may, she's kind of just, yeah. She might not even know that she's on a tightrope. Like, she's off in space somewhere. So that's, a, that's uh, Elmer Plummer's uh, interpretation. Then in 1982, Clem Hall uh, repainted all of the portraits and kept with this more realistic uh, approach. Um, and he had um, a little bit different take, slightly. Um, a fun fact, though, Mark Davis wasn't known for being complimentary to many people, but he did hold Clem Hall in high regard. So he ended up being a wise choice Excuse me, to remake these paintings. So while Hall's interpretation um, wasn't drastically different from Plummer's, he did establish um, what I would consider different motives for each of these characters. So in his version, the tightrope walker has a more apathetic look. Um, Rather than looking distracted and possibly not knowing there's an alligator beneath her, in Hall's version, she appears to just not care. (laughs) Um, And then... uh, the Axe Lady, on the other hand, dramatically changed with Hall's version uh, from from the previous ones. In in his version, which, I'm sorry, I didn't mention this, but Hall's versions are the ones that are kind of the most reprinted. They're not the current, but they're the most reprinted ones. Okay. Um, so the Axe Lady, she dramatically changed with his version, and she he aged her about 25 years. 
So she, in the original, uh, like Davis's version, she's not that old. She's yeah. I, so I, I have it up here actually. If you yeah. Guys can see. Oh yeah, I should have sent you the link. No, that's okay. Don't worry about it. Um, but yeah, I think that's the original, and yes. she just gets progressively older, and yeah. you know, so she so, starts out with a more rounded, you know, fatter face. She look, she has two chins. Yes, absolutely. Oh yeah, she does. You can yeah. count them. So the third one over is the one we're talking about. That's Clem Halls. Okay. And so she got significantly older, older, and then that's rather. Rude. <laughs> right, yeah. and then, this poor lady. But also, rather than looking kind of young and and proud and somewhat boisterous, um, yeah. Hall's axe lady has this droopy face and she's got wrinkles, and she kind of honestly looks like she could be the grandma of Davis's version. Mm-hmm. So it's very strange, and um, I couldn't find um, specific information on who painted the current version that we actually see in Disneyland today. But in this version, the tightrope walker has yet a different look. This time, her eyes are much wider, um, more of that doughy eye look. Um, she looks a bit more approachable. She doesn't look as like angry. Um, but in a weird way, she looks annoyed. Almost like like you caught her in the act of doing something that we that you weren't supposed to see. Huh. So she, it's just interesting how these different artists, they just make these slight changes, but... They really do kind of affect the the look of the thing, right? So, so look those up. The just the and and you can. There's a lot of images, and you can see the the kind of differences in some of the the more famous um, paintings of those. Yeah. So, aside from the design of these portraits, um, the actual functioning mechanics are really what make that stretching room so magical. Um, so lights and sound to start off with. As we know, uh, the stretching portrait gallery has no windows and no doors. <laughs> so <laughs> Except the one you come in. Well, except for that one. Right. <laughs> but once you're in there, there's nothing. So if you want to see anything, they needed to put in lights. And then if you want to hear anything, they needed speakers. But they don't want you to see this stuff. So in order uh, to see the stretching portraits and hear the ghost host's narration... You obviously need these lights and speakers. Oh, I just said that. Sorry. Uh, but you don't want anybody to ruin that effect. Or, or you don't want it to be obvious so it doesn't ruin that effect. Um, for this reason, the speakers are actually hidden inside of the mantle mm-hmm, that's above. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're behind a fabric that's painted to look like wood. Right. And um, throughout the entirety of the octagonal room, which gives the effect of the ghost... Or I'm sorry, it goes along those those speakers go along the entirety, so in a kind of circular. Yeah, because there's thing. no That's mantle awesome. in the in the elevator room, right? That's what we're talking about. No, there. Yeah, there is. Oh, there is. So, sure. Do you mean like a molding or a mantle? Yeah, it's a. It's a they mantle. call it a mantle, but it's a. Yeah. yeah, it's like a molding. Oh, okay. I, I'm sorry. I thought a mantle was just over a fireplace. Oh no. Well, I guess. But but you're talking about like the, the, the wood molding. molding around. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's kind of above your head because it's so high up. Right. Okay. Got but, it. But um, yeah. So Sorry, I just needed to <laughs> to separate okay. the, the 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 front room, right? The foyer, right? Yeah, which no, has the fireplace, or does it? I'm confusing with Disney World now. I don't know if it has a fireplace or not. So when you when you go into it has a fire it has a fireplace. I'm the foyer has a fireplace before you go into the stretching elevator. Right, but you're talking about in the stretching room itself. Yeah, we're, yeah, yeah. We're, I'm just yeah. saying I had I had yeah. to differentiate. Yeah, okay, I understand. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I'm sorry about that. So we're actually in. We're only talking about the elevator. Right. We're in there, and the door's closed, and um, so when you're hearing stuff, you're hearing it from speakers that are hidden inside that little. Um, molding right or mantle um so having audio in this room is particularly important 
Um, aside from setting the scene of the ride, it also masks the sound of the elevator mechanics behind the wall. Hmm. So okay, that it, if it wasn't if you didn't have that sound, then you would hear the elevator roar. sounds. Yeah. yeah. Um, so the gargoyles on the wall are also not there just for fun. Uh, they act as the lighting, uh, as lighting the room so that you can actually see the stretching portraits. However, like with many theatrical sets, the gargoyles are really only there to make it look like they're the light source when in reality, they're the lights, uh, there are actual lights positioned in the room above that mantle piece, um, that are hidden from plain sight. And that's really what's lighting everything. The, the gargoyles are just kind of there for show. Um, and then, so you've got, after the lights and sound in this room, how do they deal with the stretching of the actual portraits? How do they make it look that way? So uh, it's pretty simple. The top and the bottom of the picture frames remain completely immobile, uh, which gives the illusion that the portrait is stretching. Uh, and if you look closely at the frame, you'll see that uh, the top and bottom sections are actually an inch or so apart from the wall. And this trick allows allows the, the viewer to... It, it kind of tricks the viewer so that once the portrait is fully stretched, it still looks like it's outside of the wall. It still looks like it's within that frame. Mm-hmm. Um, and then this I found particularly interesting. Super simple, but I never thought about it. The wallpaper. The wallpaper in that room is that terrible vertical stripe. I actually love it. I know, I but want it's a pair just of pants so like bad. That, <laughs> I really do. So it has to be vertical or the effect won't work. Horizontal stripes or any kind of pattern wouldn't work because the audience would keep seeing the pattern reveal itself. So it oh absolutely has to be vertical. Right. That's brilliant. Yeah. I know. Yeah. <laughs> Never huh. thought about that. Yeah, I mean thinking about it, yeah, imagine if there were like diamond shapes or imagine the 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 shapes in the foyer, right? Like the the lilies or right. whatever that they are. Right. And then you just you're you're absolutely right, Turn. You would just see more well, lilies grow and nothing would happen. But if you have the vertical lines, there's nothing else to reveal but vert- more vertical growing. lines. That is brilliant. Yeah. And I wonder if they knew that beforehand. <laughs> or if Probably they or, not. or they just, okay, let's do it up and let's run it. Oh, hey, you can see. Let's replace everything. Right. It's uh, interesting. Really- yeah. I, I really never thought about it being there for a reason. <laughs> but that's exactly why. Um, and then the shape of the room. Having the room be an octagon rather than a circle, just a plain circle, it's just disorienting enough that the writer kind of loses track of what door they came in and how they're going to get out. Oh, absolutely. I never yeah. know where I come in. <laughs> no, it, or, come or in, go out. kind of turn around. Go, yeah. And, yeah. And, well, also, it, it lets the doors be flat, right? Yes. Because how, how else are you going to do circle, circular, you know, or yeah. concaved? doors that would be a little bit harder to do so yeah make an octagon doors are flat there you go exactly so kind of genius just in this one little part of this ride yeah. that's not even part of the ride right <laughs> it's just how you get to the ride right and and, it, and it's how much detail goes into disorienting you in yeah. that room totally i mean i've ridden that hundred times yeah and it's still hard to figure out yeah i mean now you can kind of guess like it's either to the left or the right but yeah only after a hundred times, right? Then you kind of get the feel for it, which is great. But yeah, I can remember being a kid in that room, and you have no clue what's going oh on. Oh my god, it's actually scary. Yeah, like, <laughs> I don't think I looked up. Yeah, in that, on that ride until I was like sixteen, maybe. <laughs> yeah. like, it's always my way. Nope, not looking. <laughs> no, don't need to know that way, son. <laughs> exactly. I'm good. Oh, that's Follow funny. everybody else. So then, moving on to the folklore. Uh, 
So this is the reason that I actually wanted to do this show and dive deeper into these stretching portraits to, to really find out the stories behind each one. You know, why are the three men standing in quicksand? Who did the old woman kill? You know, is it her husband? We don't know. Well, as it turns out, there really isn't nearly as much folklore to these as I thought. Um, I wasn't able to find anything truly substantial, but I did find a few fun things. So there is a general theory out there. And that this running theory is that the portraits represent the idea that the things most highly prized in this life are mere vanities that only serve to distract us from the reality of death. Okay. Wow, we just got real (laughs) deep. I know. I know. So uh, let me read that again. I kind of get it. Yeah. So the things most highly prized in this life are mere vanities that only serve to distract us from the reality of death. What if my most prized reality is my death? Ah, well, then you're, you're not going to be a stretching portrait, I guess. <laughs> no, I That's guess not. bleak. Yeah, I know. Well, and then, and then you know, you could take this many different directions. So, mm. you know, the, the tightrope is likely beauty, you know, um, right. power. And, and this is different than where I read it because I didn't agree with the guy that read it. But um, <laughs> I would say that the sinking men would be power. Because he's standing on top of these three men. He's like climbed to the top. Yeah. And and where I read this, they said that the dynamite guy was power. And I was like, I am i don't see it. I'd say wealth. I would say greed, yeah. Well, see, and I was thinking maybe the axe lady would be wealth because she's killed her husband. Inheritance, yeah. Or but, something. But the guy who's on the dynamite kind of looks like he's noble. Well, I see, I was say. thinking pride. Oh, uh, okay, okay. I don't know. But see, this is what I mean. So this this could open up a whole door yeah. of wow. low-res image <laughs> possible. Right Pride, now. greed, sloth, like the seven sins. Gluttony. Like gluttony, sloth. Yeah. Sleepy, dopey. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yeah. Blitzen, Donner, Rudolph. Yeah, all of those. I mean, you could take this really far, honestly, but I, I think it's kind of interesting. And I think that it it, there's something to be said there. If you want to create something out of nothing, <laughs> yeah, I mean, there well, there was clearly um, an inspiration there, yes. somewhere. Like, there's a reason these people are doing the things that they're doing, but maybe not. Maybe Mark Davis was like, "Well, you know, here's a guy; he's very proud, but he's he's not paying attention to the powder keg underneath him." Right, right, and, and that's the thing go. is, is so um, maybe sometimes, as Freud said. A cigar is just a cigar. Right. And in this case, this is a joke, right? The, right. the the stretching portraits down to nothing is just a joke. Right. So maybe the joke is just a joke. But maybe it's not. And that's, I guess, the fun part. Um, What's that supposed to mean? <laughs> uh, so I got a couple other little tidbits. The dynamite guy. Looks like a politician. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so in an early uh, attraction script uh, by Existencio... Uh, he he gave the names of the characters in the stretching portraits, and I couldn't find that script, but there are a couple of them. So the, the dynamite guy, his name is supposed to be Alexander Nitrikov, who came into the mansion one night with a bang. It's cute. Waka I like waka. it. For real. <laughs> See, it's, it's a joke. Um, so in the Haunted Mansion comics, I don't know if you guys are familiar with those. There's like a series of comic books. They're fairly yeah. recent. I want to buy them. I want to buy. When we're at the, the at the parks now, but when we were at the park 
you know, last time they have them all in the book. So what comic books will generally do is they'll release all the issues and then they'll put all the issues together in a hardcover comic. It's kind of oh a, cool. Not I don't know how new it is, but it's new for this kind of thing because they're Marvel comics, right? Oh, okay, right, of course. Um, and then they had the hardcover at Disneyland, and I uh, wanted to buy it, but it was like thirty five dollars, and I had a hard time justifying that. So, uh, but yeah, they're out there. You know, and if you can't get the individual issues, you can just look for the hardcover. Well, and so that's where part of part of those comics are creating this lore that maybe mm-hmm. maybe exists, maybe doesn't. Um, so in the Haunted Mansion comics, um, he was a uh, the dynamite guy was a virtually, or I'm sorry, a visually impaired man named Stephen, <laughs> who was invited to a party at Gracie Manor. Once Stephen arrived at the manor without pants, uh, his glasses were flicked off by the hack. Hatbox ghost, and due to his poor eyesight, he wandered the house completely oblivious to ghosts and ended up lighting a keg of dynamite with a candle. I don't like that at no. all. No, so wait, really weird. Slammed. That is he way see. too. He wanders around with an open flame and then ha- somehow climbs on to <laughs> right. a barrel of dynamite. He's Mr. Magoo, basically. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Magoo, you've done it again. You've lit yourself. I don't. Uh, I don't like that because who would go to a party with no pants on? Right? Even if you can't see, your legs can. Fe- you don't have nerve damage. <laughs> yeah. Your legs. You're cold. Exactly. It's. Weird. I mean, maybe he has the the. No, I don't. Nerve? Know you don't know. I always call it well, a, a different N word, but ne- like I always call it necrophilia, but that's not what it's. No, called. Beverly, that's <laughs> not what it's called. No, not narcolepsy either. Yes. No. Oh. Neuropathy. Neuropathy. That's okay. What I'm <laughs> oh boy. Taryn. Yes, that was no. That's not it. Wait. <laughs> so that was in the comic book. That was in the comic book. I automatically do not want to read them from that. Just from that really? description, because the the Nitrikov thing was different, right? He was yeah. like an admiral or a commodore or something like that. I right. remember because we researched. He was it. an ambassador. I'm sorry. There you go. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so why wouldn't they stick with that? I don't know. I think it's a perfectly legitimate changed, thing to do. They changed his name to Steven? Steven. That's lame. Uh, he Steven? doesn't even look like a Steven. No, he looks like a Nitrikov. Yeah. I don't know. Right, Very I strange. Like I, I don't like well, the good. comics. Already. We just saved $35. Yeah. Um, the Axe Lady. I guess we're not going to get Josh Shipley on the phone then. Because <laughs> he did the comic. Oh, it, go gotcha. ahead. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, then there's the Axe Lady. That's what I'm calling her. Um, Ex- Existencio referenced to her as Abigail Pate Cleaver. Yeah, Cleaver's in her name. You think at some point it's going to happen. <laughs> right. However, she's widely thought to be Constance Hatchaway, the bride from the ride. And here's mm. why. There is some oh, evidence okay. to this. So in the attic scene, there is a framed photo. And there's several of them. But yeah, one right. of them, yeah. show, and it's her with different men, but right. one of them shows her um, holding a rose close to her face. Just like the the stretching portrait okay. lady, um, and then the man in this same photo has a handlebar mustache that looks almost identical to the one on the headstone of the stretching portrait. Okay, and then lastly, the frame that that's holding this photo, it's very ornate and gold and everything, and it says um, it has this little medallion at the top that says George and Constance. Okay, so that's kind of I'm thinking maybe she's more Constance than she's supposed to be Abigail. Pate Cleaver, but I could I could go with that. I can okay. because it ties into the to the current lore, ties into the ride, and it's not doofy. 
Right. Like, oh, he stumbled around. She, What did she do? She thought she was carving a ham and then just cut <laughs> off yes. the homie's Oops. head. Right. He was looking at the light. He was changing the light bulb, and she just, why is the ham in the air? Yeah. I, well, come on. Changed her name from Abigail to, like, Janet. <laughs> Barbara. <laughs> um, then there's the three sinking men. Sarah swings oh. an axe. <laughs> oh, jeez. Go ahead. Uh, the three sinking men. Um, so in again in the comics, there's not much else. Like Existencio didn't seem to name them, but in the comics, um, they were three gamblers known as Hobbs, Big Hobbs, and Skinny Hobbs. Daryl, my brother, brother Daryl, my brother Daryl. Exactly. This is my brother Daryl. My other brother Daryl. So not sure why they're sinking still, but yeah, they're in quicksand. Um, and then the tightrope walker. So I always assumed that she was Lillian Gracie, the daughter of Master Gracie, and I honestly don't know where I got that. It's possible I totally made it up, but that's... <laughs> so this is, I think I'm having the same problem, and I think what happened is when we did all this research for your sister's uh, party, so if you guys remember, if you listened to this show last year, yeah. we did a murder mystery based around the Haunted Mansion. So we got all these ancillary characters mm-hmm. and we researched as much as we could about their backgrounds and then we had to make a lot of stuff yeah. up and make right. them tie together. Uh, so I think now... We're creating uh, the lore and I'm okay with that. Right. Okay. But I think I'm, I'm confusing our lore yeah. with the actual canon, right? With so everything lore. I've said up to this point has been things that I've actually found other people have said. Yeah. This is the only one where I was like, uh... I don't know if this one's true, but I like it, so I'm going to throw it in there. Yeah. Um, so some cast members actually do call her Lillian Gracie, but they say that she strung her rope across to Tom Sawyer's Island from the mansion grounds uh, where she met her fate. Nope. And I'm like, nope. please. No. <laughs> like, you do not need to tie in adventure yeah, or frontier no, land with uh, New Orleans nah. Square. I just vomited. That was back, terrible. Back <laughs> off a little bit. Um, in the comics... Uh, this girl was a witch named Daisy De La Cruz. Of course. Who turned men into alligators. What? Why wouldn't there be? So this was also her name in the 2014 Haunt Your Disney Side event. Um, most, so, and then more recent Imagineering projects have given her the name Sally Slater. Starting from... When, when can we get con- on a congruent timeline with this stuff? When can we just let... I mean, and you would think Disney is all about backstory. Can we right. stick with one? And I hate a backstory. But with some of this stuff, it's cool. But if you're just reinventing different personas and different names for the same things, it's hard to tie people in and really I care about it. Like I, I, ca- I kind of care less about her now because now she has 12 different names. Right. Yeah. Sally Guys, Slater or whatever. They probably explained this really well in the movie The Haunted Mansion so we should probably just watch that. Oh, I have seen it. Let's watch it right now. Eddie Murphy, Eddie Murphy one? one? Yeah, it's good. Uh, yeah, no, it's actually not as bad as you it's think. It's not nearly as bad as you think. We had to watch it for why did we watch no, it? No, I actually no, totally we just decided to watch no, it. We decided to watch it. It's actually not that bad. I actually really want to see it. We have it. We'll watch it right now. Okay. Um. We'll be right back after this. No, so so just just so you know, the Sally Slater thing, which by the way, terrible name. Well, first of all, is she a skater? Like, what's right. happening? Her and Christian Slater are going to go off and you know glean so the cube bad. and then crash I, the internet. I totally feel like she's yeah, it's, it's a stupid name. Yeah, but that came from the 2011 interactive queue for Walt Disney World. Huh. So that version of the ride, I guess, 
it, it, somewhere in that queue, they, they've referred to her as Sally Slater. So I'm like, no. I don't know. To me, she's always going to be Lillian Gracie because that storyline makes a lot more sense. Yeah, sometimes head. alliteration doesn't help. Right. And that's that's the end of it. That's that's the the supposed folklore, the potential folklore. Oh, okay. Well, all right. Good job, Terrence. We Tarrant. we knew going into it, it wasn't going to be that much information because right. they haven't built. They didn't build a backstory for it because they didn't bother with it. Right. Well, actually, I didn't know that going into it. I thought there was, and then I was oh. like, oh, interesting. Oh, I knew. I was like, oh, yeah. We'll see. We'll see how long. <laughs> we'll see how much she gets. Um, by the way, speaking of back lore, uh, back uh, ground, Taryn, they're doing a Maleficent too. Why? Just so you know. What? Just, just so you know that. Yeah. That's so stupid. Maleficent too. I don't remember how the first one also, ended, but I thought Maleficent died. It's Atencio, by the way, Taryn. What did I say? Atencio. Oh, sorry. Yeah, no, it's okay. I just wanted to let you know before someone emailed in and was like, "Did you understand that your wife is can't pronounce the T's before the S's?" Um. Oh, camera work. A little camera work. All right. Here we go. Why do I have to download? I don't want to download the thing. Download this Real computer. Player 7. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the early days of the internet. He had to download players. Why is this the intro? Stop. Stop. Intro, outro only. That's what I want. Because it's time to go, everybody. What do you think about that? I'm okay with it's it. It's been good. Yeah. <laughs> it's been real. Thank you, everybody. Have you guys ever done the Animation Academy randomly? Just curious. Yes. You have? I think. I no, haven't. Oh, that's not where you... That's where you draw things. It is awesome. Is it where you, someone teaches you, or you just yes. kind of are in that booth, and you're just drawing like a zoetrope thing or whatever? No, it's, in the, it? it's in the same area where um, the uh, Turtle Chocolate Crush, yeah, all yeah. that is. Yeah, yeah. So last time I went, uh, when we went together, the day, I think one of the days you guys didn't go into the park, my niece and I did it, and I can't draw stick figures yeah and they showed me how to draw eeyore and it's on my fridge because it looks amazing <laughs> did you did you take one of your son's things like get the what is that hand print turkey get out of here this is eeyore <laughs> and you tore it up and threw it at him basically because yeah. it's eeyore <laughs> and then my uh my chest thing from the run your are bib on, yeah they're on the fridge right now and then jack's uh progress report is from first grade is on the other side oh how's so, he doing <laughs> he's he's a smart kid. He just right. gets bored like super. He, like he finishes his homework so quickly that he's going around and trying to help other kids with their work, and the huh. teacher doesn't like that. So he gets in trouble for talking when he's trying to help. He should be a TA. <laughs> yeah, in first grade. Yeah, yeah. Uh, B comes before C, Charlie. <laughs> but, uh, okay, fact of the show, everybody. A full-scale replica of the first ship to carry the American flag around the world, Disneyland's Columbia, was christened June 14th, 1958. The 10-gun, three-masted ship was designed from plans and photographs supplied by historical and governmental groups. With the exception of its hull, which was trucked in from Long Beach, it was constructed entirely in Disneyland. Wow. Oh, that's cool. Oh. I yeah. did not know that. Yeah, kind of a neat little fact. Uh, okay, everybody, thank you a lot for endearing the show. Thank you to Jeremy from SpectroRadio.us. If you want some more good Disney uh, information, go over to Spectro. And until next time, until the 11th, we'll see you in the parks. Yeah.